Well, good morning. Uh, we are so, so happy that you're here. I can tell you that my heart is full today, seeing so many wonderful faces and seeing some faces we haven't seen in a while. If you're watching us online, thank you for joining us. This does seem to be a little bit of a morning for technical difficulties. My sermon notes disappeared, uh, but what did show up was a note that says you should donate candy. It's an easy way to contribute. So I don't know how that happened, but Jake must have the controls this morning. Now, we are continuing our series, Uncertainty of Faith. Today, we're looking at truth and falsehood. How can we as Christians distinguish between the two? We're still in 1 John. We're going to be in chapter 4. We're looking at six verses today. It's 1 through 6. So you can follow along on the screen with me. I will tell you that I think uh, the translations may be a little different. I think the screen is NIV, and I think some of my stuff is ESV. So it says the same thing. Virtually, it's just worded a tad bit different. So if I'm reading something... It doesn't say the exact thing on the screen. That's why. And I didn't relay that information. So my fault, but I just wanted to make that clear to you. Now, one of the hardest things that we as Christians have to do is to distinguish between what is true and what is not right. Truth and falsehood. Now, how do we make that right decision? How do we know what God is calling us to do? The weight of making the wrong choice can be paralyzing. It can be fear inducing to the point where it moves us to inaction. And that's the one place as a Christian we don't want to be. But the fact is that there is a sinful world that is working against us, right? And sinful forces that are working against us. There are wrong paths to walk down. There are wrong decisions to be made. And so we've got to really be able to understand how can we avoid those things? Sometimes the answer is we don't. But as we develop our skills that we're going to talk about today, and we practice and we practice and we practice like all things, you get better. And so again, 1 John chapter 4, verse 1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. So John starts by warning his followers that every word that's spoken isn't necessarily from the Lord, even from those that claim that that is the case. John is speaking in a day and age where services were a lot more free. Anybody could stand up and say, I have a word from the Lord and then share that word. And so you might imagine how that could be dangerous as people are traveling in this day and age. They attend church services, maybe They've come into a place they've never been before and they stand up and they say, I have a word from the Lord and they have a message that they want to share. And it's our responsibility when we hear any message to be able to distinguish whether or not that message is godly or not, whether it is truthful or whether it is false. And so John's speaking to people in this day and age, and um, he wants people to know that just because people are claiming to speak by the spirit of God doesn't necessarily mean that they are. So John's solution was to test the spirits in order to see if they were in fact from God. So whether it's today's sermon or it's any conversation you have with a friend or a person that you've just met where they're offering advice, whether it's a podcast or maybe a radio show, wherever you're receiving messaging in your life, it is your responsibility to be able to distinguish whether or not those are godly messages or whether or not those are messages that we should cast to the wayside because they are false. The thing is that we must ensure that before we commit something to our hearts, it is in line with God's truth. And God's truth is the only truth. It's the only truth. 
And so as Christians, once again, we have to really make sure that when we are committing something to our heart, when we are committing something to our belief system, when we are making it part of our foundation, part of our Christian toolkit, if you will, that it is a godly asset. John goes on to explain in verse 2 and 3, he says, By this you know the Spirit of God. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh and is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. So this is what John's trying to get his people to see. There are so many voices out there that are speaking to us today. So many things that are fighting for our attention, our affection, and our devotion. We will know that a spirit is from God if it will confess that Christ came in the flesh and is from God. What does that even mean? What does that even mean? We know what it means in his day and age. It's really hard to take this part of the passage and apply it like verbatim to our lives. John's speaking to a people in a day and age where Jesus had just come, just went through his ministry. He's walked the earth. He's resurrected. He's already died on the cross. He's resurrected. He's gone to heaven. And here's John with this message. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the son of God. And if you want to know that something is true, somebody's message will adhere to or believe or, or, or put out that Jesus is the son of God. Jesus came in the flesh. But how do we apply that to ourselves? Because let's think about some hypothetical situations. If Chase comes to me and says, hey, should I take this new job that I've been offered? And I say, uh, well, hey, Jesus has come from the flesh and he is from God. I think you should take it. Not exactly what's being said here, right? Not like we're going around throwing this new catchphrase out every time we offer advice. What John is saying is that true confession, truth is accompanied by fruit. You see, a confession isn't just mere words. When someone confesses something with their lips, the confirmation that they believe that confession is that they live their lives according to that confession. And so true confession is accompanied by fruit. More than just mere words. Anybody can say, I believe in God. Anybody can say they're sorry for wrongdoing. Anyone can tell you that they have your best interest at heart. But for a person's spirit... For a person's spirit to be of God, their life must testify to the sincerity of their words. And that is how we will know truth. So therefore, a person with a godly spirit doesn't simply acknowledge that God came in the flesh through the being of Jesus Christ. They let that fact that realization completely change the way they live their lives. Jesus is God with us. And it should change everything about you. It should change the way you think. It should change the way you speak. It should change the way you treat others. It should change the way you treat yourself. It should change your reverence for God. And it should change your reverence for people. In short, it should completely transform 
your life. And if the transformation is taking place, if you can see it in others, and if they can see it in you, then they can trust that the Holy Spirit is at work. And they can trust that your concern, your advice, the truth that you say you're offering is in fact godly. So John continues in verse four through six, little children, lots of terms of endearment, beloved little children, showing true care and compassion for those that he's trying to teach. He says, you are from God and you have overcome them for he who is in the world. Sorry, guys, this headset's killing me today for he who is in the world. Little children, you are from God and you have overcome them for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world and the world listens to them. We are from God and whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. He reminds his listeners that they have overcome the world. You see, because you have God, you have something that is greater than this world. And here's the real secret that John's trying to get them to wrap their heads around. They don't need anything else. They don't need anything else. They don't need to chase earthly wisdom. They don't need earthly success. They don't need earthly belongings. They don't even need earthly happiness. They need a heavenly God from which the rest of those things that we concern ourselves with in life will flow. God takes care of his people. And because God is greater than anything that this world has to offer, we are called to seek him and seeking God is seeking truth. The question that I have to pose for myself sometimes and that I pose for you now is why are we searching as if we don't have the source, the source, right? We are searching for truth all the time. Every single day in our lives, we're looking for the right decision. We're looking to make the right choice. We're looking to, to hold on to what is true, to figure out what is true and to get rid of the rest. And so many times Christians live like the world as if they don't have the source that distinguishes truth for us. Let's talk about some of the gifts that God has given us that allow us practically, practically to be able to distinguish between truth and falsehood. Second Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. We have the word. We have the word and the word is God's revelation to us. If you want to know who God is, get in a Bible. Get in a Bible. If you want to know who he is, what he thinks, how he wants you to live your life, get in the word of God because God's word is his revelation to us. It tells us exactly who he is. And who knows, a scripture a day may keep the devil away. T-shirt. T-shirt. But here's the truth. That... A little scripture goes a lot farther than no scripture. Some of us think, well, first of all, it's an excuse. Because we'll say, I don't really have time. I'm binging four seasons of this Netflix show. But I don't, I mean, the Bible, I don't have time to break on the Bible. 
I, mean, I don't really understand what it says. Like, there's not this thing called the internet that will, like, you say, what does this verse mean? And they won't give us, like, a thousand sources that we can read through and test against each other and test against the rest of the scriptures and figure out if it's true or not. But we all like to have that. I just don't have time. I'm busy, right? Like, men, you don't spend, like, three hours of your day in the restroom where you can... <laughs> read the Bible instead of catching up on sports or politics or playing games or whatever else, right? And women, your excuse is probably a little bit like more legitimate, but also probably not because you guys are just thinking all day about things like, I've got to sweep my floor. And you don't have to sweep your floor. You want to sweep your floor. Your floor might be dirty. I understand if you don't do it, maybe no one else will because your husband's lazy and your kids stink, right? But I'm just saying that like you have time, you can make time, you just choose not to make time. But we have the word and everybody can read a verse a day. I've said this before, get the, get the version Bible app. It literally will send you a push notification with a single verse every single day. It just pops up on your phone, you can read it. Commit it to heart, meditate on it, think about it. We have the word of God. And if the word of God speaks against your choices, if the word of God tells you that something you're doing is wrong, then guess what? Avoid it. You have identified what is false. You know that the opposite is true. Commit your life to doing what is true. We learn from the word. The word holds us accountable. It offers correction. It leads us to righteousness. It reveals to us what is righteous. But that's not it. God didn't just say, here's the word. Be gone. Good luck. This is all you need to know. He gave us Jesus. He gave us the son. We have the son. The son leads us in the way that we should go. He tells us, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the father except through me. If you want truth, go to the son. He lived a perfect life. He set a perfect example. You want to know how you should live? Read about Jesus. You got four books in 66 that tell his whole entire story. Go read them. If you're living in a way that Jesus wouldn't live, stop doing it. So we have the Son, and we also have the Spirit. The Spirit, Jesus said, hey, guys, I'm going home. I'm going back to heaven. I walked this earth. I did my job. I did what I'm supposed to do. I'm coming back one day, but for now, I'm going to go sit at the right hand of my Father. I'm going to advocate for you, which we'll get to in a minute. And you know what he left us in his place? The Spirit. So I'm going to give you the spirit. The spirit's going to lead you. John, not first John, John 16, 13 through 15. When the spirit of truth comes, spirit of truth. We need to know what truth is. You should donate candy. It's an easy way to contribute. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak of his own authority. I think this is pretty cool. Why can we trust the spirit? Because the spirit's not willy nilly over here talking to you however he wants. He doesn't speak on his own authority. Whatever he hears, whatever he's told by God, the father, he will do. And he will declare for you things that are to come. He will show you the truth. He will show you your way. And he will glorify me. This is Jesus words. Jesus will be glorified through the spirit for he will take what is mine and he will declare it to you. All that the father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. That's powerful. Jesus staking his claim 
He has all that God the Father has. Why? Because God the Father bestowed that upon him. And Jesus took all that he had and he bestowed that on the Spirit. And he left the Spirit for us to guide us through our lives. He shows us direction and he shows us truth. He's not working on his own authority. He's working on God's. He works on behalf of the Father and the Son for our good. And I firmly believe that he exists in the form of your conscience. So many people say, I don't know that. I don't know if I should do this. I don't know if I should do that. Is this really wrong? Is, guys, your conscience tells you whether you listen to it or not is up to you. There's never been a sin that I've committed where my conscience was like, you probably shouldn't do this. And I was like, yeah, but I'm going to too anyways. You know, you're right, but it's fine. Or you're right, but I really, really want to. And it's that same conscience that convicts you later after you've already sinned. That thing in your head that says you screwed up. And then you take over and you're like, yeah, I did screw up. I'm the worst. I deserve to go to hell, which is true, but not if you have Christ, right? But you have that conscience, unless you're a sociopath. And then I don't want to know because you just completely turn that stuff off. You're like, I'm my own God and that's, ooh. Don't murder. It's in the Bible too. So here's this conscience speaking to you all day long and it empowers you to make confident decisions. We sing a song where the spirit of the Lord is, there is peace. That peace occurs in the form of freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is peace. And that occurs in the form of freedom. You want to know if a decision is right or wrong? It's not the only answer, but do you have peace about it? Do you have peace about it? I'm not talking about, are you anxious? I'm not talking about, are you logically worried about maybe switching career paths or going to a new job or buying a home or purchasing a car or making these major life decisions? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, can you not sleep at night? Do you have no peace? Does it feel like your insides are just eggs being scrambled. God provides peace. Peace shows you your path. That comes through the spirit of the Lord. When God speaks against your actions, you will know. Now, whether or not you listen, that's up to you. Let's go back to Jesus. We have Jesus. I already said this, but he tells us in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Right? We seek God's truth through prayer. We have the word, we have the spirit, we have the Lord, we have God the Father, but that's spirit and the Lord, right? Then we have prayer. James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. Some of us might write that to him, but not the ESV. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Here's the thing. I say here's the thing a lot. I'm say it again. Here's the thing. The truth is, as we are seeking truth, none of us are alone. None of us are alone. You may feel alone, 
But I can tell you, if you feel alone, chances are you're ignoring all the signs. Chances are you're ignoring the voice of God. You're ignoring logic. You're ignoring common sense. You're ignoring scripture. You haven't taken it to the Lord in prayer. And maybe you're doing that because you already know the answer and you just don't want it. If I actually ask God, then he can tell me no. Anybody ever been there? I've been there a lot in life. If I actually ask God, he might tell me no, and I really want to do this. I really want to live this way. I really want to make this decision. I really want to buy that expensive thing I don't need. I really want to eat like I've been starving for years, but I actually only ate two hours ago, right? Like, major decisions to small ones. If I actually include God, he might tell me no. So I'm not going to ask him. But we're taking a major tool that's in our tool belt and we're just throwing it in the garbage. And we can't afford to do that. In the end of us, in the end of us, in the end, none of us are alone. We have this divinely inspired support structure. And it has been created by God for us so that we don't have to be alone, so that we can have confidence in our decision-making, so that we can have support of God the Father and Christ the Son and the Holy Spirit. So we can know who He is through His Word. And so that we can hear His voice. We can actually speak to our God. You don't need me to do that. You don't need anyone else to do that. You can just start talking. And if you believe what's in Scripture, He hears you. He hears you. Now, part of prayer, like any conversation, is listening. We talk to Cordelia about that a lot. Because she talks 24-7. Sometimes in her sleep. She'll have whole conversations. You can talk back to her and she'll respond. She doesn't remember any of it, but she talks. She talks. And she's so busy when she's talking to you or asking a question, formulating her next question to whatever response that you might give her, that she actually doesn't listen to the answer you give her. And we all do that. It's defensive conversation. And we defensively pray. We do that. God, show me the way. I know this is wrong and that is wrong. And, but I just, I just really love it. I really love my job. I, or I, I really want uh, a bigger paycheck. Or I really want that boat. I really want this new house. I really want this relationship. I really want... And we go through all the things that we know we shouldn't be doing or shouldn't be having or shouldn't be partaking in. And instead of taking time to listen to what it is that God would have for us, we're on to our next question to his response without actually ever listening. But we have this divinely created support structure that God put in place for us to help ensure that we have success in distinguishing between truth and falsehood. No Christian should ever say, I have no idea what I should do next. I have no idea what I should do next. Here, man, I'm not talking about knowing like the specifics of every situation and scenario. I'm not talking about having every single answer to every single question or problem that ever pops up. 
But I know I can do two things always, right? And this shouldn't shock you what I'm about to say. I know I can love the Lord with all my heart, soul, and strength. I know I can love my neighbor as myself. I've always got those two things, the greatest commandments to fall back on. I can always be doing those two things. But so many of us want this specific, fully laid out plan. We're not partaking in this support structure long enough to ever find our way through it. So we have this support structure, but we have to use it. We have to use it. I firmly believe that you should be in the word of God every day. Read one scripture, start there, build off of it. But you should be getting some God in your life every day. I firmly believe that all of us should be praying at least once every single day, even if it's just to thank God for the food that's on our table. We should have those open lines of communication. And I think all of us should ask the question at least once, God, what is it that you have for me today? You don't have to know 10 years down the road. What does God want from you today? And have you actually taken the time to ask him and to listen? Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is peace. There is peace. There is truth. There is understanding. And that comes from God, the Father, to the Son, to the Spirit, directly to your heart. But only if you're going to listen. Only if you're going to follow. Only if you're going to trust. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now. I thank you for this day. Lord, I... I can't believe that you've called me to do this. I can't believe that you've called me to preach your word and, and that this is the path that you have put me on. But Lord, I'm so thankful for it. I'm so thankful for these people that are here today. Lord, I am far from perfect. I know that. But your truth always rings through. Lord, may they put everything today that I said to the test. To know if it's true or not. To know if it's from God or not. Lord, I pray that you would convict each and every one of us. That when we hear truth. To act. To follow it. To not give the myriad of excuses that we can give. To avoid what it is that you're calling us to do with our lives. The next right step is following you. The next right step is listening to your voice. We can be confident in the decisions we make as long as we're striving to love people like we would love ourselves and as long as we're striving to love the Lord with all our heart, soul, and strength. Because you have provided the way to truth. You have paved the road. And it's not an easy one to follow all the time because we are naturally sinful creatures. We're naturally selfish. We want what we feel is best for us. But Lord, the thing 
about our lives is that none of us are supposed to stay what we naturally are. We're supposed to be born again. We're supposed to be transformed. We're supposed to be changed. In Christ, you accomplished that on the cross and through your resurrection. You made a way for us to come back into relationship with God, to be born again, to have that transformation start to take place. But God, we have to choose it. And it's not just one instance. It's choosing it every single day. And because we're naturally sinful, because we're not perfect, that is difficult for all of us. There's not one person in here who doesn't struggle at times with doing the godly thing. But struggling doesn't absolve us from our responsibilities. Struggling doesn't absolve us from having to be able to distinguish between truth and falsehood. And I am so incredibly thankful that you have provided a support structure for us. That you have given us multiple ways to be able to know and distinguish right from wrong. God, we can be righteous because you are righteous. And because you gave your son in order for us to be able to be righteous. So Father, I'll echo it again. Convict us. Change our hearts. Change our minds. Change our thought processes. Change us. Transform us. So that we can be as like you as humanly possible. We can ask these things confidently because of the power of Jesus. And we proclaim victory in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with us and let's worship. If you need prayer this morning, I'm going to be right over here by that whiteboard. I want you to come pray with me today. If you need to talk about salvation, by all means, come have that conversation with me today. It's the most important discussion you could ever have. If you're not a member of our church and you want to talk about becoming a member of our church, we can have that discussion after service. I think that's important as well. But for now, just stand and worship. Stand and worship and let every other distraction that you may have going right now fade away.